At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Mike Pritchard for the next two hours. We are here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. And Pritch, the tournament is upon us. I guess, you know, Indiana, Wes Reynolds, I'm sure he's happy today that his alma mater uh, got a big win last night. So we're officially, the madness has in fact begun. Yeah. We got a great show today, as always, here on a Wednesday. Going to have Steve Mackin and some of his numbers and the information that he provides each and every week. Literally can take some of that to the bank, as he did last week. Hopefully you were paying attention. We're going to have Lou Finicaro join us in the second hour as well. Got a good UFC card over in England this weekend. I think there's some uh, profitable opportunities there we'll discuss with Lou. And also, two-time Super Bowl champion Brian McFadden is going to join the program here. You know, his Steelers have a new quarterback, Pritch. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to get his thoughts because when I texted him once the news of Trubisky broke, he didn't like it. I'll just say that. Really? Well, because I think he was thinking Deshaun. Oh, okay. I think they were thinking bigger fish to fry. <laughs> they decided to go another way. I wonder the state of Steeler Nation here when you look at some of those future odds. And so we'll get into that with BMAC. But very quickly to that point, you know, is the coaching carousel done? Excuse me, the quarterback carousel done? Or is it Deshaun Watson and then it's all rested and we can actually look ahead to the draft and training camp, et cetera? Well, Dave, uh, you know, you have um – Garoppolo still out there. Yeah. Um, Deshaun Watson. You have quarterback needy teams. I mean, Seattle needs a quarterback. The Colts. Um, and you know they don't want to go through a rebuild. You, you would think that San Francisco still is going to need a quarterback. You would, um, you would think, but like um, the Jimmy G thing that bothers me is now the shoulder issue. Like, right. is that a real issue for teams? Because he can't yeah. even throw till June. Right, right. I, I think it could be because I think the playbook's limited with Jimmy G anyway. Mm. Uh, and now you factor in injury history. Uh, the Colts just went through that too with right. Carson Wentz. See, the thing about Carson Wentz, like, he was a higher risk player anyway. Uh, and so he didn't play well enough for that squad and see what happened to him. And uh, I think Pittsburgh's going to be okay. Um, their culture. See, to me, the AFC North is about culture. Mm. And we'll get more into that for sure. Love it. Because yeah. you're right. It, it is. And, and BMAC, in my time with, with Bryant, he's always about, you know, the standard is the standard. That's mm -hmm. what they say in Pittsburgh. And Mitchell Trubisky is going to come into that. So I'll, I'll be very curious to get his thoughts in that second hour. And, again, Baker Mayfield put out a, a very <laughs> interesting post yesterday. <laughs> Matt Santos, our producer, is just shaking his head. Like, I don't know what he was getting at using the whole – Baker, Reagan, Mayfield, putting the middle name in the – I mean, like – I, like, I can I, tell I'm not, you. I'm not dogging Baker. I can I just, tell you. What was that all about? Um, image. Oh. Baker is an uh, image-conscious guy. He oh. always has been. Um, he's had the it factor since OU, got to the Senior Bowl, had the it factor. Uh, I was at the Senior Bowl when Baker Mayfield showed up. He showed up late because of some family issues and – not issues, uh, medical situations. Okay. And, and Josh Allen was there. Think about this. Josh oh, Allen was at the Senior Bowl with this rocket arm, and nobody wanted to really deal with Josh Allen. They could not wait to meet Baker Mayfield. 
I'm talking about GMs, owners, coaches, everybody. Because of the it factor. And so I think Baker, from that standpoint, understands the whole image thing. And, mm. you know, he lives on social media. He lives on TV from a, uh, from an entertainment standpoint, a commercial standpoint. And you got to keep that going for his next stop, wherever it's going to be. I, I don't think his career is going to be cemented in Cleveland. All right, we'll see what's next for Baker Reagan Mayfield. <laughs> It'll be very interesting going forward. Uh, we mentioned, obviously, that the tournament uh, got tipped off last night uh, in earnest with Texas Southern uh, de- defeating Texas A&M Corpus Christi 76-67. Uh, that ticket cashed if you had the favorites in that one. Uh, and the under uh, came through here. Uh, or excuse me, the overhit rather at uh, 136 and a half as I do my math here and that one. But really the bigger game of the night mm-hmm. was the Indiana game against Wyoming. Uh, the undercast there uh, with the uh, 66-58 final. And Indiana does cover that number. Right. And again, having Wes Reynolds uh, doing the program yesterday, I always kid Wes because, you know, you, you get your heartstrings involved. But he does evaluate his team pretty darn well. And he had Indiana on the money line yesterday. And really, it could, get a, it could have been a bad backdoor cover late. But I watched this game, Mike, and I got to be honest with you, I was impressed with Indiana. And, you know, you could have been a little bit jaded that we had to play the play-in game. Mm-hmm. We had to go to Dayton. And now, by the way, they got to fly all the way, get out west for the next round matchup against St. Mary's. But they handled their business against a team that plays kind of similar. But they like to go down low, Wyoming does physical nature that didn't bother Indiana. What'd you make of the Hoosiers win? Last what night? I love about uh, Indiana and, and certainly, and certainly what happened in that game, uh, Dave was the fact that, uh, you know, when you're looking at um, uh, West Reynolds and his evaluation on the Hoosiers, uh, I thought it was spot on. Yes. I, I thought it was crazy. I, I thought when you're looking at that situation with the Hoosiers, um, I wanted to listen to Wes, and I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did because what happened in that game unfolded exactly how Wes laid it out in his analysis. So uh, I, I want to say that almost every bucket for the Hoosiers was in the paint, around the, paint, it around the rim, right? My goodness. Uh, so highly efficient team. Wilson did a great job uh, from a schematic standpoint. Uh, Wyoming, so when I look at the, the tournament, mm-hmm. and, and I have my own four factors I want to uh, introduce to everybody right now. Oh. Uh, coaching is one, slash yeah. defense, two, dynamic backcourt, three, difference maker, uh, and then four, experience. We saw experience take place no uh, Texas Southern. They, they prevailed there. Mm-hmm. Now, Indiana, coaching for sure, uh, defense was going to be there. You knew that. Playmaking ability, okay, where was it going to come from? It came from one particular guy, uh, Trace. Uh, he was incredible. He was. Uh, but on the other side, for Wyoming, Maldonado was overwhelmed, right? Oh, how many turnovers? That Ten. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, I gave uh, the other turnover machine, uh, five. Uh, but he wasn't able to neutralize uh, down low, what was taking place for Indiana. I mean, really controlling the paint and getting uh, highly efficient buckets uh, time after time after time. Demoralizing one, I think as a player, too. Maldonado trying to do way too much, He's really right? Good. You can uh, see his pressing. But he had to. He yeah. had to. And, and that's the thing I think unfolds a lot of times in the early rounds uh, of, of the dance of the tournament. So uh, that was a great play right there if you did have Indiana. You know, and going forward, and I did uh, Scott Seidenberg show last night mm-hmm. uh, on the look ahead, and we were looking ahead to the next game for Indiana. Uh, and, and as they go forward now, and they do take on St. Mary's. And so people were asking me, well, what about the travel? And, again, I'm, I'm listening to Wes a little bit more on, on this with the take of his team, that, a team that he knows pretty well. I don't think it's going to play that much in. And they're getting three now. I don't know if this will go up to three and a half. If you want to wait a little bit, maybe get that extra half. But I'm starting to think 
it's the style of play mm-hmm. that really matters here in these matchups. And because Wyoming was a team kind of like a Big Ten light team, if you will, well, that's the way Randy Bennett wants to play with St. Mary's. They want to slow it down. Sure. That's fine by Indiana. Right. You know, what would be a, a worse matchup, I think, going forward is a team that wants to run. Let's test those legs. You just played on Tuesday night. Now you do have to fly across country. All right. Let's see if that taps into the energy a little bit. That's not going to be St. Mary's. So to me, I'm kind of liking Indiana a little bit, taking the three. And I might even think about sprinkling a little bit on the money line. Well, I, I would want to see the shooting improve for okay. Indiana. Uh, well, I mean, they're, again, they're not shooting well they're from not, distance. Right. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, if, if, say, you know, your next matchup, you, you got St. Mary's and St. Mary's is watch tape and, okay, we're going to take away those easy buckets. Mm-hmm. So we're going to at least try to neutralize uh, uh, Jackson Davis down there. So, uh, you know, that's that's one thing. You take away that player, wh- where does Indiana go, right? right? Uh, and so that's, that's the developments in the tournament, too, that I'm going to focus in on. It's a nice number, though. I mean, if you do like Indiana, uh, it's interesting uh, to catch three points here. I- I'm not going to buy into the tired legs. Yeah. I think these all these kids. Th- yeah, they're going to be excited to be in a tournament. They're mm-hmm. going to find energy somewhere. Right, Dave? I totally agree. <laughs> so uh, it's just about execution. And, and again, you look at uh, Mike Woodson. You know, it's, I really didn't have an opinion one way or the other. And then they asked him after the game, do you have a message you said that you're going to be the bridge coach, bridging the past, mm-hmm. which is Bob Knight, to the present. And he said, yeah, I got a message. I love the hell out of that guy, and he might be the best coach that ever uh, coached up in college basketball. Like, I know a lot of uh, purists and PC basketball people might not like that. I absolutely love that comment right. from Mike Woods. Not, not getting away from Indiana's past, but kind of going into it and saying, yeah, we want to be what Bob Knight used to be here mm-hmm. at IU. So it's been a long time coming for this program. Again, I'm not a fan, right. but, you know, like rooting for West, and, and it is good, I think, better for college basketball when some of these blue bloods are oh, yeah. better, and Indiana looks like they're getting it back on what track. What about Indiana and the prospects of them being UCLA this year? I, I, because, you mean, right, the recency bias, I mean, they didn't end the regular season all that great, and then right? they get into the tournament, okay, wait a minute, here comes Indiana. Hey. Uh, and then you see them last night. Now, again, here's recency bias a little bit. Uh, if they can get it together, if they shoot better, certainly the defensive effort's going to be there. Uh, and then you have the pedigree standpoint, what you were just talking about. About, right, mm. uh, and so I mean, what UCLA did last year was incredible. From the same spot that Indiana's exactly, in, first but in. you wouldn't think that's going to take hold this time around. Uh, but you know, it sounds like you're leaning towards Indiana here. I am, and the other thing is, I'm not fading the Big Ten. Right. And by the way, and that gets to very quickly Notre Dame and Rutgers tonight. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this game is a pretty tight line here. I, I like Rutgers tonight. I, again, it's it's the physicality that the conference brings. So when I see Indiana, how that tra- translates to a non-Big Ten team like it did last night against Wyoming, I think the same is going to be the case here for Rutgers. I'm not going to take the point. I'm going to take the money line play here and try to get a little bit better value. Right. You see the total around 134. But, Pritch, I just think physicality – Matters And, again, officiating matters, too. Sure, you sure. start calling ticky-tack stuff, right. that's going to favor Notre Dame. You let them play a little bit, that's certainly going to favor Rutgers. Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, and the thing about coming from the Big Ten, as Michigan was the only Elite Eight team last year mm-hmm. from the Big Ten, even though Big Ten was highly competitive, same thing this year, highly competitive conference. But yet, I, I think the swagger is there, right? Like, not so much the pedigree, but the confidence level. So, if you're Rutgers, like, we're Rutgers from the Big Ten now, right? We're not Rutgers from the Big East. We're not Rutgers from the Rats. We have Ron Harper Jr. We have a playmaker, so we're good. And and that, from a betting standpoint, I can buy into that, especially if you're looking at this game from a money line situation. Yeah, I I really am. And, again, when you get nine teams in, not saying it's going to be a catalyst going forward, Mm -hmm. but it's – 
if you're a Big Ten backer, and sure, some of those other schools go see, Indiana is good. Right. Right? They did beat Wyoming and kind of handily, too, at the end. So I, I think there's something to go there. When we come back, let's talk some more NFL and some free agent quarterbacks, some landing spots, and what we've seen so far. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. Time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700. This is the Lombardi Line right here on VEASAN. Dave Ross alongside Mike Pritchard. And, Pritchard, it's always great to talk football you know, I could talk at 365, so I know we're in the heart of March Madness. We'll get back to that a little bit later on in the show. But you do look at some of these quarterback changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, we'll talk about more later on with Brian McFadden in the second hour. But how it really impacts the draft going forward uh, in the April draft next month. So, obviously, Mitch Trubisky going from the Bills to the Steelers. Teddy Bridgewater has gone from the Broncos to the Dolphins here in that one. The reason why we bring this up is – you look at the quarterback draft, and we don't believe it's supposed to be a quote-unquote good one, right? You got Malik Willis, you got Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, uh, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter. Those are the guys kind of the top of the board there. So when you look at that group, and right now Malik Willis, Willis is minus 190 to be the first quarterback selected, mm-hmm. the longest shot there would be Desmond Ritter at 20-1. to 1. Are any of those five guys that I just mentioned to you starting quarterbacks – in the league next year, i.e. teams that get left out of this quarterback carousel and all of a sudden they go, well, there's really not a sexy free agent out there. So let me pick one of these five guys and see if I can do a Mac Jones and kind of insert them day one, which was a surprise, by the way, because remember, Cam Newton was on the roster this time last year. Everybody assumed Cam Newton would be the starting quarterback in New England. It didn't play out like that. Is there any potential surprises on that board that might be able to do just that? You know, I'm intrigued by Matt Corral. I think from a mental standpoint, he he might be further along or or farther along than uh, these other quarterbacks. Uh, Ritter is intriguing, too. Malik Willis transferred from Auburn. He gets to – Cincinnati, right? And so, okay. Well, Liberty, right. Li- Liberty, Liberty. Because right. uh, Ritter is at Cincinnati. That's right. Uh, but Willis, in terms of the transfer, you, you, you love the athleticism. You love uh, what he brings to the table. But I, I'm not so sure he's ready to have the keys to a franchise yet. Um, so I, that's the thing about drafting a quarterback. Who's ready for that moment? Like, mm. like Baker Mayfield. They're going to move on from Baker Mayfield several years later. Number one overall. Number one overall. There's been a lot of those. There's been quite a few of those. And uh, golf, he he got to a Super Bowl, but yet it still wasn't good enough, right? Already moved on. Already moved on. So it's 
the league is so different than what it used to be, certainly when I was a player. Uh, one, the contracts are structured differently now, so you can move on from a quarterback. Right. Back then, you were committed and you were married to a quarterback if you drafted him in the first round. Uh, and, and then you also had that learning curve that needed to be flattened from the college game to the pro game. Now you have the pro game doing what they're doing in college, and so it's not going to be that hard. The transition is not going to be that difficult. I think for Mac Jones, he went to the perfect situation in New England because he was used to Saban. Uh, and so you have the same coaching style expectations, and so he fit right in right there. Like if Mac Jones would have went to the Jets, mm-mm. Right. Right? If Mac Jones would have went to San Francisco, mm-mm. But he landed in a perfect spot. And so when you think about these quarterbacks and where they're going to get drafted, understand that a lot of times these teams are not going to particularly draft his quarterback thinking that way. They're drafting this quarterback because they need a quarterback. When I look at that board and when you say Matt Corral at 14 to one, and I'm not saying that you're saying, Hey, that'd be the guy. Maybe you take a flyer on as the first quarterback selected in the draft. I am trying to put, you know, quarterbacks in spots that look like that they are truly available. Mm -hmm. Now, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. That feels like the last big fish to, to be fried out there in the NFL, right? In this circle, wherever he ends up landing. But I do think that to say that none of these guys are first-round picks, I got to think that somebody's going to hop up because your point about Baker Mayfield is well well taken. John Dorsey kind of staked his reputation on that. Didn't work out very well. Right. Looking back now in in Cleveland, right, when he was the GM there Mm -hmm. and and traded up to get Baker and and made that move. And, you know, Josh Allen falls to the Bills. Pretty good. You look back, right, as a top-ten pick. Is Malik, if Malik Willis is the first quarterback off the board, and I actually like his skill set that he brings okay. from what we've seen on tape, is he still a lock first-rounder at least? And if you're a first-rounder, Pritch, in this day and age, you play. Like, we can't sit first-rounders. It feels like that day and age is dying on the vine. It, it, it is, but we're seeing it more and more. Like, if you're a Green Bay and you make a mistake and you draft Jordan Love mm. too soon, you trade up for him, okay, he's going to sit. And now what are you going to do with Jordan Love with his new contract with Aaron Rodgers? Great point. If you move up and draft uh, Trey Lance, if you're San Francisco, you move on off Garoppolo, but yet is Trey Lance the guy, you know? And uh, is he ready to have the keys to the franchise to take you to the Super Bowl? I mean, you were a game away from the Super Bowl last year. Right. With Garoppolo. But you're moving on from him. So, you know, a lot of times these teams – so this is what – just a long time – I've been a member of the National Football League for over 30 years now, Right. Uh, and so just thinking about how teams have worked over history and how teams are, are, are looking right now, uh, you can see teams drafting these quarterbacks and saying, look, why don't you sit? We, we like you, but we, we don't like you right now. Now, are, which teams are those? And I think that's how you can figure out who's going to get drafted uh, before the other person. Like, for instance, for instance, uh, if you were a team – and you don't necessarily need a quarterback, but yet you're intrigued by the development of one of these guys, then, okay, maybe you trapped him, right? Because you think about Lamar Jackson, who... Last pick in the first round. They traded up back into. Ozzie Newsom traded back into the first round to draft Lamar Jackson as opposed to waiting to the second round, perhaps where you might not get him, right? So Mm. uh, I I think that's intriguing, too. But I, I don't know if any of these guys present that opportunity like Lamar Jackson did. And it's weird because when you really go team team by team, and now with Trubisky going to Pittsburgh, Carson Wentz going to mm-hmm. Washington, right? Kirk Cousins re-upping in Minnesota. Those are musical chairs that have now stopped that we thought might be in play. 
I look at it, Pritch, and I go, is it just Houston? Is Davis Mills the answer when you move on from Deshaun Watson? Which, by the way, you're going to move on from Deshaun Watson. He's not going to play there. Right. Right? So, is there any? Is it Tua in Miami? Is there another spot for one of these five guys to go, yeah, you know what? I could usurp the current guy there. Because, really, we're running out of teams for potential rookies. And that's why... I don't know if any of these guys are going to be first-round picks. Right, and and that's the great question. I, I Do you know or do you feel confident that these guys are going to be first-round picks? Because I don't either, Dave, and that's why I wouldn't bet this first yep. quarterback selected until I get closer and closer to the draft. I mean, I, one number is intriguing, uh, and I mentioned Matt Corral uh, because I think there's some intrigue about him and, and the fact that he might have the mental makeup to say, look, okay, we're okay with him starting. Now, which team is that? Because you, you got to go back to expectations, right? Like, the Texans are moving on from Deshaun Watson because they have to. Deshaun doesn't want to play there anymore. It's not like they have a choice in the matter. Right. And they're not going to pay a guy who's just going to sit on the bench. Now, the expectations in Cleveland. You're moving on from Baker. Mm. I, I think the expectations are pretty high, but you're not going to draft one of these quarterbacks. To take over what we think is got a playoff defense right. ready to go, right. right? Cleveland doesn't feel that far away. Sure. And you think about the Las Vegas Raiders. They have to extend Derek Carr because they have no other choice. If one of these quarterbacks were, if you were that confident, one of these quarterbacks could take over and start for a team that made the playoffs last year, Maybe you would take him as, as opposed to extending Derek Carr and giving him 35 to $40 million a year. But if you're the Raiders, you might not have any other choice unless mm. you make a trade somewhere. You know, Seattle might be the one glaring top 10 pick, but none of these quarterbacks that we mm -hmm. just identified feel like top 10 picks. Are they, are they quarterbacks you would rebuild with, though? And, 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 and is Pete Carroll, it's, I know he's, he's a young 71 or whatever he is. <laughs> Does he want to go with a rookie quarterback? Not to rebuild. Well, not one of these guys to rebuild with. I, I don't know if that is something you would do. And maybe you go to backup quarterback route, a bridge quarterback, which we see a number of bridge quarterbacks now in the National Football League. Maybe a Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Could be that bridge quarterback. <laughs> I, but although he's already re-signed sure. that uh, in he, Miami. Well, you got Marcus Mariota, who was a top two pick at one point. Yeah. He's going to be available. And that, but that's what we're down to, mm -hmm. Pitch, right? We're, we're talking about Teddy Bridgewater in Miami with Tua Tungavailoa. Right. We're, we're talking about, re, you know, resurfacing a, a Marcus Mariota. And, it, look, it, it did work for Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee to kind of resurrect his career. So maybe it, that would make some sense, a Mariota in Seattle. But when you look at the draft order and then you look at the, 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 the opinion so far mm -hmm. that we're getting of these quarterbacks, none of them feel like top uh, first-round picks. Right, right. The Giants are in a situation right now where they have a quarterback that they're undecided about. And, and the thing, too, that was telling to me is when you see wholesale changes, GM and coaches, they don't have a quarterback. Because you typically don't see that in the National Football League. So, But what's the answer for the Giants? I mean, are they going to go out and draft another guy, or are they going to see what happens with Daniel Jones? So it goes back to expectations again in the league. And I'll tell you this, I'm not laying the number with uh, Malik Willis right now because of the uncertainty that you just mentioned. So maybe Matt Corral at 14-1 to to be the first quarterback taken off the board. Maybe that's good flyer money because, again, I'm not convinced that mm -hmm. these guys are that far away yeah. when none of them appear to be the guy to save a franchise. Great stuff. When we come back, Steve Mackinnon, who always has great numbers, going to look into the NCAA tournament. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on VC, the Sports Betting Network.
everything you need to bet the madness this year with the 24-7 streaming daily best bet emails and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is ready for every game and every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel, and Tim Murray. They've got insights in every team, conference, and player to watch from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to get the betting guide plus full access to VEASAN through the end of the tournament, April 5th, for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash madness. Dave Ross alongside Mike Pritchard. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. And Pritchard, I'm, I'm a little bit mad at myself because this time last week, you and I sat here and had a great conversation with Steve Mackinac. Mm-hmm. And Steve basically outlined what I thought was the can't miss, you know, we don't like to say lock, of the week. And that was in the Big East final. Right, the, the game would right. go under. It goes to an underclip about 82%. And then I got scared off because Creighton was in it, and I thought, man, Creighton shooting the lights out. And I just passed on the play. Steve's numbers do not lie. Absolute lock of the century was the under. That game was 19-18 at halftime. Never sweated going over the posted total. Let's bring in Steve Mackinan, <laughs> Point Spread Weekly Editor. Follow him on Twitter as I do, at Steve Mackinan. Steve, we nailed it. Right? We were discussing it. We had the conversation about the Big East final, bright lights, big city, tired legs, all that stuff. You were right on again, my friend, and I was just too scared to jump in there with you. <laughs> Dave, I'm... I can't believe you bailed. You seemed, <laughs> you seemed more steadfast on doing it than I did. I know. I should have followed you. And I, I just watched the game going, what was I thinking? Why did I get scared all of a sudden? But, Steve, to that point, let's talk about the NCAA tournament, some of the trends that you found here. And the first one I want to start with is the ACC because I absolutely love fading this conference. And I think some of the numbers that you have here would give you a good reason to do just that. How about this first one, that the ACC teams – just about 35% is favorites of five points or less in the tournament since 1998. That's quite the body of work here. And that qualifying game, and I'm with you, Marquette against North Carolina. I see danger here for, for North Carolina as well. Do you see that in the numbers? Yeah, so if you think about this trend, of uh, favorites of five points or less as the ACC teams. The ACC is normally a very highly regarded conference, especially at tournament time. So if you see a number of five points or less, you're probably figuring odds makers are maybe a little bit on edge about that particular team. And that might be the case here for North Carolina. And uh, Marquette has shown the ability to be a sort of a streaky team. If they, if uh, they get uh, hot this week, they could, uh, they could make a run this weekend. You know, Steve, I like to point out that you helped me not to overthink things with the information <laughs> and the trends. And uh, certainly, because as betters, sometimes we can get caught as up I that, did right? with the Big East tournament, yeah. So with the Atlantic 10, uh, I love this. Favorites are on a 16-2 and two straight up. Uh, and 13-5 ATS, 72.2% uh, surge in Atlantic 10 NCAA tournament uh, games since 2015. Uh, including 7-0 straight up and, and ATS last seven. Now, now the teams from the Atlantic 10 that we should mention here, Davidson, they're a short dog uh, against Michigan State. Uh, but then you've got uh, Richmond taking on Iowa, which, you know, I, a lot of people like Iowa's here. So how would you apply this uh, to these two situations here? Well, I think if you consider the – I guess the quality of the numbers are 16 and two straight up 13 and five ATS for favorites. When, when the Atlantic 10 plays, mm-hmm. you get the feeling that again, I, I, I need to speak to the, I guess, to the expert level of the odds makers here. They got a good idea of who's going to win these games, which teams are the better teams here. They're, 
historically regarding the Atlantic 10, they're telling you for these two games this week that Michigan State's a little better than Davidson and Iowa's significantly better than Richmond. So uh, sometimes it just, maybe you just follow uh, their leading in the water, just drink it. Hmm. You know, it's interesting because I was listening on the radio the other day and I heard Coach K, this is yesterday, and he was doing an interview with Steve Stricker and he's talking about the Ryder Cup and all these things. I'm like, Hey, coach, don't, aren't you still coaching the team now? Don't you have a game in like two days? So I was like, Steve, I got to auto fade Duke. But then I see some of the numbers that might support the fading of Duke because ACC teams, really good straight up, 33 and three, uh, but only 12 and 24 at ATS in their last 36 games is double digit tournament faves. And that would mean Duke is the two seed against Cal State Fullerton here. And also, one other correlated stat here that might be fading Duke. Number two ACC seeds are a brutal 8-26-1 ATS. That's only a 23.5% clip since 2001. So, Steve, should I auto-fade Duke? Okay, I think this speaks again to the fact that ACC may be a little overrated uh, when it comes to tournament time historically. Now, specifically this year, the ACC is not as strong as it's been uh, in past years. So, I mean, if you're thinking the ACC is overrated this year, this could be trouble for that conference this year. Now, 18 points is a lot of points. I mean, Duke can still win that game and survive uh, and get to the next round. But uh, covering that number may be a little difficult uh, against a team that's coming off a conference championship. Yeah, speaking of covering numbers, okay, we got the Big 12 too, Steve, and, and some great information you have here as favorites uh, of seven points or more uh, in the NCAA tournament. The Big 12 teams are in a current run of 17 and one straight up, uh, 12 and six ATS. 66.7 uh, percent. I, you, can, you look at the Baylors, the Kansas of the world, even Texas Tech, a uh, incredible, incredible uh, squad right there. Uh, how do you use this information for these games? Yeah, I think one thing that the tournament has maybe shown us in, in recent years is that when a Big 12 is, team is uh, good, one of the higher level teams, they're really good mm -hmm. on the national scale. So I think this kind of speaks to that when they're favored by seven or more, which is a pretty significant number in the yeah. NCAA tournament. Very successful. You know, I look at this, too, with the Big East, and I love some of the information we have here because we kind of talked about it. I really do like this Villanova squad. I got to get over that Big East championship game in the window that I missed some, uh, some easy opportunities there. But, Steve, in the tournament, games between Big East programs and non-major conferences since 2015, pretty good spot here. Faves, 18-5 and five straight up, and ATS over 78%. And you got a lot of qualifying teams here with UConn, Providence, Villanova. They're all favorites. And then creating an underdog here. So, Steve, maybe the Big East, the, the new Big East for me, is still being a little bit disrespected? Yeah, I would say that historically in the tournament they have been. I mean, you get, you get a lot of teams make, that make good runs out of this conference. And even Connecticut, when they weren't even in the Big East, made a run to the title. I mean, <laughs> about seven or eight years ago. So, uh, I think you got. Uh, I think this weekend's going to be big for that conference to see whether they are for real or not. You know, Steve. In general, too, as we get back to 
the normalcy of the dance right. or the madness, if you will. I mean, I was just at the Pac-12 tournament, and the crowd made a difference. You know, Arizona traveling and how they played as well, the, uh, raising the level of their play a little bit right there. But uh, factoring in the rebound effect of going back to these buildings with uh, incredible crowds, incredible en energy as well, because um, your trends are so strong and this information is so strong, it's just I wonder could there be uh, some type of, not regression, but some type of uh, boost uh, to the situations uh, with these teams returning back to the normalcy uh, of the madness. Yeah, yeah, I think you're really on to something there, Mike, and, and you need to dig into this further. Now, I'm going to look at a specific example here. You got a lot of people back in Colgate against Wisconsin. Mm. The, the last time Wisconsin played in Milwaukee, it was actually at the Bradley Center in the tournament. They had such a massive backing uh, from the statewide uh, people in the stands there, they had a huge home court advantage on that. Now, you think about Colgate and the types of teams that they probably are going to surprise. Like last year, Arkansas, they played them very well. Uh, not as disciplined as a Wisconsin team. So Colgate's style of discipline itself and, and make, get, making sure they get good possessions and good shots on those, Wisconsin plays that way itself. How are they going to have an advantage on Wisconsin in that? So you add that to the home court advantage, and I, I'm very shocked that I see all of mm. these people. I, I, I normally, I when when there's a massive public, uh, I guess you want to call it an underdog, I just run from that. <laughs> we got about a minute to go here with Steve Mackin and, and Steve. Um, I don't want to tell you yet my final four bracket. We're going to do that at the end of the show, but. Um, I'm not as confident now because of one of your trends in the SEC. And you say the number four seed in the SEC have not meshed well as of late. Just 12 and 18 ATS, 40% in that spot since 2000. They've gone under the total at 22-7-1, a 75% clip, almost 76. Qualifying team there is Arkansas against Vermont in the first round. Am I in trouble of losing the Hogs in the very first round? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't like teams that are, are shocked one year after another. Uh, Arkansas struggled, like I said, against Colgate last year. I, they, I think this group will probably be a little more ready than they were a year ago. All right, well, that gives me a little bit okay. more hope, but maybe I'm not going to play the Hogs uh, against the number here in this first round. Uh, Steve, do you want to give out your Final Four picks, or do they have to go to vston.com and check out Point Spread Weekly to get it? Well, they're in the the, the uh, tournament guide, which is 203 pages of awesomeness. I got to tell everybody that. I mean, it's probably one of the best publications we've ever produced. Oh, that's really cool. All right, so I think that's Steve's way of saying you better go read it, and that's then right. you can get his picks. Steve, enjoy the tournament, man. We'll catch up again uh, next week, as we always do. Uh, thanks, guys. Take care. All right, when we come back, much more to get to on the tournament. I can't wait to get your final four picks as well, Fritz. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line right here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Sportsbooks is offering college basketball fans a chance at winning big. I mean, really, really big. BetMGM's $10 million bracket challenge is free to play and fun to dream about. Pick a perfect college basketball tournament bracket. You're going to be the legend that takes home $10 million. Fall a little bit short? Well, the player with the most correct picks wins a guaranteed top prize of $100,000. Anything can happen during BetMGM's March matchups, and that includes you going on a miraculous run of 
perfect pick. So what are you waiting for? You've got work to do. Go to betmgm.com slash bracket and make your free picks in the $10 million bracket challenge. And don't forget, there's a guaranteed top prize of $100,000. Must be 21 years of age or older to enter. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Not available in Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Mike Pritchard. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. Pritchard, let's get back to some NFL talk if we can because – Full disclosure, I took a futures play on the Chargers. And my rationale was, this is before all the chaos that ensued in the AFC West, that Boy Genius 2.0 can't be as bad as he was as in-game management (laughs) because the talent on the roster is there in Los Angeles. And then I felt so smart when I made the wager, and then the Broncos go and get Russell Wilson, right? And then they get Randy Gregory, and I'm going, man. Now, I got a bad number. No, no, no. The numbers have actually gone in my favor. I got them at plus 1250. And now we're seeing whatever, you know, you get JC Jackson, you get Khalil Mack, you fortify that defense, you extend Mike Williams. Uh, you've got pieces to an already really good roster that I think that Tom Teleco and company have, have put together, though, there in the front office. And, and Pritch, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Now, I know they're going to play in a monstrous division, mm-hmm. and I know every week it's going to be, you know, you can just put the AFC on AFC West on TV, and you're going to get a great matchup as long as you stay in the division. What do you make of the Chargers with these acquisitions, keeping some like Mike Williams still in the fold? Is this a team that I can look at and go, yeah, this is a, this is a potential Super Bowl talented roster? This team is a team you can get highly confident in. Absolutely. Uh, I would not um... – disrespect the charges in, in the thought process of that they cannot make the Super Bowl. I think they can. Mm. I think uh, historically the charges have put together rosters. They've had talent. You know, they just – it hasn't come together for them. Chargering. <laughs> okay, is that what it is? <laughs> but you look at this quarterback, Justin Herbert. He threw for over 5,000 yards last year. Wow. And he had a new offensive coordinator. Think about that. Now you have continuity on your side with Lombardi, and then now you have Justin Herbert. You have continuity because they signed Mike Williams mm-hmm. back, and and so you, you know shore up the offensive line a little bit. I think they let go of Bulaga, mm-hmm. but you know he was a guy who was often injured anyway. So uh, they drafted very well too. They're well-rounded offensively. Now you add continuity. On top of that, with coaching, entire offseason, uh, you're used to each other. You're more comfortable with each other. Absolutely. I would get behind the Chargers here. So, again, the number now is 9-1, to one, so I mm-hmm. feel pretty good about my 1250 here uh, to get to, to win the AFC championship. The other rationale for this, and this, this is kind of a little bit between the weeds here, but I also picked them because I feel like they're a football nomad, right? Okay. And, and I saw it with the Rams last year where they really don't need home field advantage. I mean, it's always nice in a perfect world, but because it really doesn't exist, I don't believe, for the L.A. teams right now, they've proven, now that, again, the the game here in Las Vegas is one they want back in the last game of the regular season, but I think this team is starting to get that thicker skin that, you know, we don't need to play in L.A. in order to get there. Do you see that? Now, again, you don't want to go to a cold weather spot mm-hmm. like a Cincinnati. That could be detrimental in the postseason next year, a Pittsburgh, if they get there. 
But I really do think that they're becoming battle-tested because they've almost been a, a football wanderer and going around the map right. and, and learning that we don't need to have everything perfect home field in order to get the job well, done. Well, pulling back the curtain a little bit on the Chargers situation. So when they were in San Diego, their facilities were horrible, mm. uh, right? And player after player after player complained about that, that situation. But now you relocate to L.A. and, oh, yeah, you're sharing a building in terms of the stadium. But now your facilities and everything else about being in L.A. is more comfortable, uh, is, is up to par. It's competitive. Mm. <laughs> I mean, when you're not in a competitive situation, when you go into treatments, uh, that bothers you as a player. And, and for a long time, the Chargers had that. So uh, I think the upgrade in facilities and certainly the money that they're spending. I mean, look at what they're spending on these players. They are telling you and telling betters right now that we feel pretty good about the situation and we're going for it. So the continuity aspect on offense – the plug-and-play aspect on defense, because you already had Joey Bosa, now you got Khalil Mack and oh, Jackson here. These are plug-and-play players, right, along with Derwin James and what you already have established uh, with that defense. Do you believe that the Khalil Mack acquisition from Chicago was a direct response to the Russell Wilson signing in Denver? I, I think so. You know, the thing about what's going on in Denver, though, is you got a new head coach and a quarterback. You know, how much time is that going to take? I mean, as great as Peyton Manning was and, you know, being in Denver at the time, you, you had some friction there, Fox and, and Peyton. And, okay, yeah, they get to a Super Bowl. They get the doors blown off of them mm -hmm. in the Super Bowl. My goodness. They still changed coaches. They went to Kubiak. Uh, and something that was more familiar uh, with the fact that Peyton was starting to fade, right, his skill set. Uh, the injuries were starting to catch up on him. But they had this defense that was incredible. Right. Uh, one of the best defenses ever. Simple, Carried really. Him. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think the Chargers are in that right spot where you have this quarterback that is incredible. You have a nucleus around him that, that is, has the continuity and the confidence. And now you just add it to the mix on the defense with Khalil Mack uh, to strengthen and bolster what you already have. So – to answer your question directly in terms of was this a reaction to Russell, I, I think this probably still would have taken place. Uh, but certainly it didn't hurt the fact that the Broncos went out and got a quarterback like that. Here's what worries me. And, and I love Justin Herbert. And again, 14-1 to and win the MVP next year. But when I look at the odds in the AFC West, okay, the Chiefs now, boy, have they flattened that number. Yeah. Even money to win that division, right? So it's still looked at as the top dog there. The Broncos are now the second betting favorite, then the Chargers, and the Raiders are the long shot here, and they were a playoff team a year mm -hmm. ago. So my one concern going forward is, is that Justin Herbert, because they didn't make the postseason, he's not as battle-tested as two guys that have already won Super Bowls in Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson, and even Derek Carr now has more playoff experience than Justin Herbert. So I'm relying on a guy that really hasn't been there, done that. And every other quarterback in this division that they're going to have to play twice a year has that experience. Like To miss the playoffs last year was almost a crime to me right. by Brandon Staley. At least Josh Allen and, and the heartbreak they've had, getting to the AFC title game two years ago against the Chiefs and then somehow inexplicably losing last year in the divisional round again to Kansas City. At least they've got those battle scars. I don't know if it's better or worse to not have the scars, but the other three have taken bullets and been in the fire, and really Justin Herbert hasn't yet. Well, I, I'm not afraid of that because of – I know the league becomes about players at some point, and Justin Herbert's going to win a ton of games. Now, can Brandon Staley stay out the way, though? Mm. Uh, how many games could you go back and look at? Three? Three games that he cost the Chargers directly, the head coach. Not the players, but the head coach. I mean, certainly players are going to make mistakes and things are going to happen, but from a coaching standpoint, three games stand out to you. 
the prevented the Chargers from making the playoffs, practically, right? And so, and they only needed one of the three to get sure. in. And by the way, I mean, Pritch, they were the number one seed late in the year. Right, right. Like, so I'm sorry, Boy Genius 2.0. You've got to be better. And you know this because you've been in locker rooms. Mm-hmm. Players talk about Stay this stuff. Stay out the way, Coach. Right? Right, right. I, I mean, I think a lot of times coaches, they want to win games from the sideline. Uh, and that frustrates you as a player is because put me in situations as players to be out there to be successful and we can get the job done, certainly. And you certainly have to have that trust in that. Uh, but that, I think that was a product of Brandon Staley, head coach, first time. And, okay, you get the Chargers and you got this unbelievable roster. Now you've added to the roster. Hopefully, from a betting standpoint, he's learned from that. I hope And if so. he has, then, yes, that's a great bet that you have right there on the Chargers. And, again, that's – I made it under that pretense that I'm hoping that this is not an ego thing with Brandon Staley. Mm-hmm. And he does exactly what you said. Great coaches reflect. And I look, I'll give Sean, Sean McVay a lot of credit because I was hard on him for a couple of years there. Boy, genius. We use those monikers. But he went back after the ass kicking he took by Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. And I think he really looked within and said, I got to be better. Right. And I think he was and made the trade for Matthew Stafford. And I think he did to a degree. And I know some even on this network still like to criticize the process that he goes through. But the end result to me is all that matters. Sure. And when you win a Super Bowl, I got to hope that Brandon Staley does a little bit of that self-reflection. Right. Raheem Morris was a better defense coordinator because he, I don't know, had Aaron Donald and Von Miller and all these great players. Jalen Ramsey, right? Uh, Same thing with um, McVay. He won a Super Bowl because he didn't overthink it. He didn't try to win it from the sidelines. Like, I got Cooper Cup. They can't cover him. Okay, I'm going to throw the ball to him. There period. you go. Right? I got Matthew Stafford. He's going to make these unbelievable plays when we need him to make these unbelievable plays. He did that. No look passes and everything. Right? So, I, I think when coaches can get out the way and understand the product and the level of players that they have on the field, a lot of times that can be more successful. All right. So, again, Zach Taylor, Sean McVay, obviously from the same tree, and so is Brandon Staley. I need you to be better this year for that plus 1250 to cash. But right now, those numbers have gone down. When we come back, odds to make the final four. We'll get our thoughts with me and Mike, see who we like. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line right here on Decent, the Sports Betting Network. 